welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, the kind of thing you can pick up and complete in an evening or a weekend, games that respect your time. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by three other awesome hosts. I've got to my left, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing spectacular. And across the country from me, Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. And my twin brother, Shane. How are you doing, Shane? Super cool. I know you are. <laughs> but what am I? That's a weird <laughs> twin thing. Well, we're both, we're, we're extremely cool. cool. Cooler than, you know, folks who are not genetically identical to us. And this week we're talking about a game that has been on our list to talk about on this show for as long as this show has been a show. Um, and it's been requested specifically by numerous listeners, which is, you know, exciting because we, for a while, had no way of doing this game uh, due to hardware limitations. Uh, we're doing Journey, uh, the game from that game company uh, that came out in March 2012 on the PlayStation 3 and has been, as of 2015, uh, re-released, late 2015, I think, uh, re-released on the PlayStation 4. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, but uh, for a good long while there, I was the only person with a PlayStation 3. Um, but now we all have PS4s, and the game was re-released on the PS4, so here we have it. I'm pretty excited. I remember playing it back on the PS3 when I had one, and it was one of my favorite games of that year. I think it was my number two game of that year, right after Dishonored. That was a good year, uh, 2012. There were a lot of really interesting games that year. Mass Effect 3 came out that year, Borderlands 2. Um, it was a different gaming landscape then, though. Like, those games, they all have a certain thing in common, you know? They're all these sort of big-budget, sort of long... Many of them have a big online component. These are games that were very of their time and place. That was t what 2012 was all about. Yeah, around this time, for people on the PlayStation, uh, I think the indie gaming scene wasn't that big. Uh, it was starting to get there with uh, Xbox Live Arcade, um, and they had, I think the previous year, they had Limbo come out, which I think, uh, I would say it's, it's on a similar artistic level as this game. Um, but this is a, it was something special when it came out, and I think it still is. And having replayed it, I think it's an amazing game. Yeah, Nate and I played it for the first time this week, and... I know that I've wanted to play this because every time someone mentioned, you know, video games as art, which is not a conversation that any of us are really interested. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler, we all we don't have a podcast if we don't think it's art. Um, this is well, one of the games that everyone pointed to. You know, and I really felt pretty ignorant going into this because I, I heard the name Journey a lot, um, mostly in games that we had covered previously. They're like, oh, this reminds me of Journey. This makes me think of Journey. Um, you know, obviously the Monument Valley connection. Another game I thought about was uh, a Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Um, but I had, like, no knowledge, really, of what this game was like, what it was about. So I went in relatively, um, I guess, fresh, you know, blind to the experience. And it was fantastic. This game is beautiful. And I can't think of a game that has a... Sim like there's definitely games that have similar tones, but I don't think I've played another game that felt like this game. No, I came in completely blind too. And I think other than people saying it was artistic, that's pretty much, and then it was short. <laughs> that's all anyone had ever told oh, me okay. about it. Yeah. So I knew it was going to be a short experience that would make me feel things. And that's about it.
and it's such a wonderful way to experience this game. There were lots of ways that this game surprised me. So if you are capable of playing this game and on the fence, um, I can't say to listen to the show, but maybe you could think about it. Like think about just trying this game blind. It's a nice experience. Yeah, I think the the sort of um, uh, statute of limitations on spoilers is kind of up by this point. This is a game that came out in 2012, and uh, if you're still holding out and you haven't had some of, I wouldn't say there's a lot of things that are real true spoilers about this game, but there are some things that you'll see in some reviews that other people would consider um, not exactly spoilers necessarily, but something that really makes a wonderful surprise if you're coming at this game without a lot of knowledge of how it works. So if you have zero experience of this game and you can get your hands on a PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, uh, we won't resent it if you come back uh, later and listen to this. But I'd say that for most of our listeners, this game having been out for so many years, if you could have already played this game, you probably already have. So we're not going to worry too much about spoilers on this episode. I'm not going to put in a a spoiler break sound effect. You can just consider basically now-ish as sort of the dividing line we're going to start talking about the structure of the game, the story such as it is, and other things that would make wonderful surprises if you haven't experienced the game. And if that doesn't bother you to hear those sorts of things, or if you've already played it, thanks for sticking with us. If you want, maybe go check out the game. And it really takes just about two hours. Um, Is that about what you guys took, I think? Yeah, I think so. I I know I played it in two sessions, but it was two really... Like, I really it felt even shorter than I was expecting it to be, um, which isn't a knock on it. It has a very climactic and you know, it's about to end when it ends, but uh, it was, yeah, two hours at the most, I think. Yeah. Depends on how, how, how much you uh, just kind of like beeline through everything. I guess you could probably finish this game really, really quickly if you wanted. Um, or you could probably just never finish this game. If you, if you wanted to just <laughs> keep wandering around. Great as a sitting on a hill and meditating simulator. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you say that, but actually, the the sort of meditative aspect of this game was the thing that I thought was the best about it. Uh, having played, and it was what I was expecting going in when I I remember the very first time I played it. Um, I had one of the first things I got on my PlayStation Three was Flow, which was from the same company, that game company. Has anybody else here played Flow? I have not. No. Oh, no, wait. No, you know, now that you mention it, I think that I did, but I only played it once at your place. So yeah. I didn't get a whole, like, it's not something I really remember very vividly. Flow was uh, one of the very first games that I remember being demonstrated for the PS4. Sorry, PS3. Flow is basically a game where if you can imagine just sort of being an amoeba and eating other amoebas, to grow it's it's a very it's but it's very stylized and geometrical and um the thing about that game is that it was designed from the ground up to be a relaxation game a game that doesn't stress you out and that just allows you to it's it's designed to put you in the flow state of kind of doing without thinking and it achieves a sort of a a kind of a magical um, feel, you know, the, the, uh, of just sort of being in the zone, or at least it did for me at the time. I've gone back to it and played it again, and I'm not quite sure exactly if it holds up or not. But um, 
that having seen that game going in now into this game uh, when I played it I was I was already bowled over just by the the style of the game because the the look and, and stuff in flow is very very simple but this game has a very clear aesthetic and something that um, came up in a video I've watched by the lead game designer was that um, there was a conscious effort for this game to convey emotions that aren't really covered by the other games. We mentioned Mass Effect 3, Borderlands 2, Dishonored, that there's a lot of shooters, a lot of combat-based games, a lot of action, and that he consciously wanted to cover different emotions, meditation. He wanted to cover, you know, religion, awe, wonder. Snowstorms. <laughs> Snowstorms. And, and there was a great quote I wrote down, it's healthy for a gamer to play all kinds of games. And he kind of looked, he did research and kind of looked where there was a gap and said, aha, this is where I want to do a game. And I think we play a lot of now short games in this vein, you know, Undertale, the, you know, there's lots of nonviolent games and alternative games out there, but this was one of the first, like, I'm not building a shooter. <laughs> you are going to wonder. And it's about a very different emotional toolkit. There are certainly have been, even before this, other games that kind of went for a sort of different emotional tone than, you know, your McShooty Man type games. But this game in particular, like, it so focuses on that, almost to the exclusion of, of everything else. So it really is uh, focusing all its energy on its emotional story, its emotional journey. Um, and mm. to do that... He really spent a lot, or he, I'm talking about Genova Chen, the video that uh, Laura uh, was mentioning earlier is great, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. He did sort of, I guess it was like a GDC talk or something like that in 2013. Dice, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And it's a it's a really great one because he really goes over some of the game design philosophies behind the game. If you're interested in that side of it, um, you know, check that video out. We'll definitely have a link. Um, but it, you really see how this company, or at least this designer, really starts from the very start uh, thinking about what is the emotional angle or the uh, the sort of key uh, feeling he wants to evoke, and everything about the game is in service of that. So like with flow, as you mentioned, Shane, like it was all just about giving you this sort of flow state, and I'm sure everything about the design of that game was was carefully tuned to do that. Same thing here, and it's about this emotional connection with your partner, uh, with you know, with other people. And it's about this emotional feeling of awe and generating that sort of moment of catharsis that you have towards the end of a sort of traditional three-act story structure. You know, that sort of feeling of, uh, you know, that, that, that emotional moment towards the end of a story where you, you know, suddenly have a, a, a moment of catharsis. Reach the top of the mountain. Exactly, yeah. So to speak. Yeah. Nate, since we both played it recently, I'm curious how you felt when you started this game. And kind of from the start menu, the kind of first... Well, you know, you just kind of get you kind of just get dropped in with uh, your character, um, whatever it may be, uh, armless, uh, dress wearing, floaty man, um, or woman, or woman, yeah, floaty man in like the you know floaty genderless thing, yeah. <laughs> scarf being, oh uh, yeah, scarf being, and it's great because you don't know what you're doing, but it's also kind of surprising because you don't know what you're doing. You have no heads up display. Um, you know, I did my standard, uh, okay, new video game. I'm going to press every button and figure out what those buttons do. And at the beginning, the only button that does anything is it makes you, like, chirp, I guess, or <laughs> or sing a little bit. And uh, it makes a really nice little tone, and it makes different tones every time you press it. So that's nice. And you're just in a desert. So it's like, what is the most, uh, like, 
lack of direction you could have was is in a entirely open sand duny desert. A literal sandbox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? And and so you just start walking and one of the things that I uh found so amazing so quickly about this game um is that you you're not really guided in any direction. I mean, at some point there are these like beautiful magic floating carpets that tell you which way to go, but uh at the beginning <laughs> You don't really know which way to go, but it just seems like there's certain ways you should go. And they made the sand dunes where you come over the top of one, and then it's like, blah, here's a beautiful landscape of, like, broken buildings or whatever. So you're like, oh, I'll go explore those broken buildings. All the while, I'm like, I still have, I thought maybe it was a puzzle game, so I'm, like, looking for, like, like, puzzle stuff at where first. Where are all like, the buttons and boxes Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I, and I found, like... I found a, I did find like some switches kind of where I found uh, somewhere out in the sand um, you first learn that you can like sing and light up the little uh, I don't know like wrenches that are in the ground um, tombstones I think I, I also assumed tombstones but it's very That's way, it's very it's left very vague yeah that is far better than wrenches though so. or but like they're like whistle stones like the wind goes through them and they sing oh yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, and like you can, so you can sing at them, some of them, the small ones, and they light up and they will light up like glowy boxes that tell you little stories. And so I found one of those real quickly and tried to figure out what that, I went over all around it, up and down, up inside of it. And it's like, okay, I think I was just supposed to see that that exists. You're and not then, supposed to unlock it somehow, or yeah, yeah, it seems, it seems at first like you're, you're, there's something more going on here, but you're right. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just sort of check it out, light it up. Is this Tomb Raider? You're supposed to like, <laughs> yeah. well, steal and, something? You know, and that's what – and it, it was that slow realization going further and further like, okay, so there's kind of things to, to find because there's like the little glowy orbs and they're normally in like cool spots. Um, but you don't have – as far as I could tell, you don't have to find any of them. Um, you kind of just keep wandering around – looking at cool stuff yeah. and they, they space out. Cause there's a lot of moments where you're just like trudging. Um, it's a long walk in deep sand and you're just holding forward um, for what feels like a long time, but you know, it's because you're trudging through sand. It's probably no more than like a minute of walking forward. And then you'll come over the crest of a really nice sand dune. And there's another beautiful little thing and you go and explore that and that was like the whole game for me. It was like I don't know anything that's going on in this world. I keep finding things. Sometimes I can interact with them. Sometimes I can't. But it's beautiful, and I'm having a great time. S- something, something that you mentioned, Nate, that like about how the game kind of very gently guides you without giving you mm-hmm. sort of signposts or anything. I think a big part of that is that you kind of instinctively understand from the very beginning of the game that this is a game about ascent. It's about climbing. Uh, you know, from the very first moment of the game, your only option is to climb a sand dune. And what do you see when you get to the top of a sand dune? You see a mountain towering in front of you. And the mountain has a giant light at the top. And so... I think you know, right, that yeah. moment... That's where I'm going. Yeah, you know right at that moment, that's that's the end of the game. I can see it from here. And throughout basically the entire rest of the game, the parts, almost all of the game, you're climbing. And those parts where you're not climbing, um, you're sort of sliding. Like you're in control when you're climbing. Climbing is like the key 
to the game. You know that I have to ascend. And even the parts where you're going downhill, you know that it's just in order to get to someplace else where I can climb again. Um, so I think that it's that that and a bunch of other little very subtle, very careful things the game does just really it never leaves you feeling lost. Yeah. It never leaves you feeling like, well, I guess I just well, I don't know what to do next. I can't believe how good the camera was on this game because the camera had opinions on where you should go. If you stopped moving, the camera would turn and tilt and show you kind of a different angle on the world, something you hadn't explored. And it never actually took control away from the player. I mean, how many times have you been in a cutscene where your player suddenly, you know, you move forward and the player is doing something on its own? You could still move right and left. You still could actually interact. The camera kept prodding me along and telling me that there was something cool up ahead, but it never made me go there. And I've never been in a game that gave me that push, but still gave me freedom. Yeah, and the camera also just has opinions on, like, this will look real nice right now. This will be pretty. A, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a couple times, look. yeah, when you're, uh, like, I remember one of the times early on when you're sliding, and it starts out standard, it, the camera's behind you as you're sliding, and you're sliding forward, and you actually don't have a whole lot of control at this moment, um, and the camera just kind of pans to the side, and you see this your character sliding down purely on, like, a from the side, and it's, like, a beautiful sunset, and then it, as you're nearing the end of the slide, the camera shifts slowly back to be right behind you to give you control again and know which way you're going. Um, and that was really cool too. One thing that I thought about there real quick is like the the subtle guidance. The only other game that I can think of that executed it as well as this, and it's it's different. But uh, we talked a lot about that in Gone Home, mm. how you go into this room like. You know, the beautiful thing about Gone Home is that you could walk in and actually finish the game in like six minutes. But I remember when we talked about it for the show, the three of us had all essentially taken the same path to completion. But there is no guidance other than just like what you feel is the right way to go, what you think is like game, you know, what's the standard way a game would handle it. Um, so I thought, obviously, they're totally different games, but still like very well thought out about letting the player do what they want while still actually going in the right direction. Minimalist to video game in many ways. They take away everything that could distract you. And um, Yeah, you, you could know, play you... this game on a Nintendo controller pretty much, other than you need three-dimensional control. It's just like two buttons and a joystick. And some there's buzzing, there's haptic feedback. So sure. you know, as you're walking and trudging, if you're like really, you know, in a deep, you know, deep snow or sand, it's going to slow you down and give you different um, feels in your hands so it feels more immersive. But it's, you know, there's not. An N64 controller with a rumble pack would work. Exactly. Nate, you mentioned the uh, the camera sort of taking the time to show you the beauty of the world, but we didn't really talk yet about the actual art style or art direction of this game, which I think is maybe the one one of the most successful things about it, one of the reasons that it's still such a sort of an indelible image. And uh, I mean, I'd say like if, if Sony was picking a, uh, uh, like an, a mascot today, the journey being would probably be I it. I mean, it's influenced by you know, Arabic and a little bit of Nepalese design. It's very, um, as I said, minimalist. There's lots of, it, it's yeah. a design based on triangles. I've played a lot of games based on circles and squares. I know this is a little bit of a stretch, but it is a design based on triangles. Your robe is triangular, the mountain's triangular. Like it's it's guiding you to a summit through the entire art style. That's a good point. It, that yeah, that's a cool way to think about it too. Um, it's 
more of a painterly style than of a realistic style, which is what's one thing that's really nice. It holds up, you know, they didn't try to do anything that was like cutting edge graphics. They tried to make things that just look nice. Um, so bright colors, deep colors. Really spending the time to define color scenes, like color schemes per moment or act or what have you. <laughs> Orange and then blue and then green. Yeah. yeah. Pixar for everyone in their movies does a color story where they, before they make their final uh, color choices, they take all their concept art and put it end to end. And if you look at it, you can see, you know, um, you can map the emotional journey through color. And I feel like the game designers did the same thing on this game. There's an entire book on all the Pixar color stories you can look through and just be like, oh, yes, this sad part is blue. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I think they absolutely – maybe they didn't do that like literally that for Journey, but that They might same, as well have. They, yeah, yeah, that absolutely. same thought process was definitely there. And there are certain things that are more realistic than others. Like the, the character models are these sort of very elegant, gorgeous-looking – mysteries you know you don't really know what's under that robe i don't mean that in a lewd way you just you just don't know what this character is supposed to look like you can't even see its upper limbs if it has them um it's just this very minimalistic mystery of a being and you can project yourself onto it no matter who or what you are because it's this it's this little enigma um but there's other things in the world that are very realistic, like the uh, like the they clearly put a lot of effort and tech into simulating really good looking sand and really good looking snow and other sort of like surfaces. So like or or very stylized and yet realistic, seemingly moving, fluttering cloth, uh, all of which are really important to sort of the look of the of the world. You know, the, the cloth in particular, everything is made out of these sort of flowing scarves. I think that look, uh, you know, where they've stripped everything back uh, and and they're able to show off some of these little technical marvels, that's part of the visual appeal of the game, is that, you know, they, they had this, the console with the PS3 that, unlike the PS2, was finally able to do these sorts of effects, like sand sliding down a hill or, you know, cloth fluttering in the wind. Yeah, or one thing that I noticed, uh, like similar, just a nice visual effect, is the way the snow would move away from your feet and, like, kind of pile up behind you. And sometimes the camera was really far back, and you would see your path in the snow for a long way, and it just felt so hard walking through that and then it would like pull back and you would see this long trail through the through just like a white expanse um really lended itself to the like oh my god i'm really trudging through this snow and then the lightness of if you chirp the (laughs) sound wave showing in the snow Mm -hmm. and just the ripples out there's kind of you know i love that you see how you change the environment in this game so many times the environment, you turn a corner and you come back and everything's put back. This game remembers. And it, not just what you do, but what your buddy does. Yeah. Speaking of which, like, oh, so I can't believe that we've gotten uh, almost uh, 25 minutes into recording about Journey and haven't talked about its incredible use of multiplayer which may still be the very most unique thing about the game. And this is something that I think some people regard as a spoiler. We already talked about our our sort of spoiler thoughts on this game. Um, But I guess if you were hanging on and, you know, you really want to last out, we're going to talk about what I think some people consider a spoiler for the game. 
Um, and that's the way it handles multiplayer. It's I had no idea there were other people in this game for the first, you know, chunk of the game. You do start out alone. And then later on, I did see, like, a dude in the background, like, who looked like me flying around. I was like, oh, is that, um, like, a ghost, like, in 80 Days? Is it... I was like, oh, it's a fun background character. I didn't know this world was populated. It doesn't seem populated. You're You're walking through this incredibly bleak desert and it's full of ruins you don't expect to see anyone else you seem alone and then i got a friend and the person and i felt terrible because i knew i was about to stop the game because i was making dinner um and i was very afraid i was going to abandon this stranger that seemed i was like I assumed they gave me a friend for a reason, and I immediately felt guilt for abandoning a friend after about a minute and a half. You're gonna need, they're gonna need each other. But I was already thinking about it. I was like, oh, they gave me a friend. Uh oh, I'm gonna be a bad friend who's gonna abandon for my mac and cheese in (laughs) six minutes. Hey, a true friend would know if it's mac and cheese, it's okay. That's true. You can't chirp out in chirp code that it's time to go heat up the mac and cheese. And one of our um, listeners actually said that they wanted to keep with the friend so badly that they waited for like 10 minutes meditating in the sand while the person had wandered off. Yeah. Yeah, actually, did you immediately catch on to the fact that these were other people? Or did that sort of realization dawn on you later? I know that for some folks, that's sort of an immediate realization. But you don't get any of the typical, I'm playing an online game cues. You know, there's not a... There's not a, a matchmaking system. There's no lobby. There's no username above everybody's heads. There's no microphone, you know, voice chat. It's all very sort of abstracted. It's cool. I do. Know, I wonder how they do it too. Because like I could see. Because I only ever saw one person. Apparently, I saw four. But I only ever because it says it at the end of the game how many yeah. people you ran into. But I only ever had one real moment with another person, and it was great. And it was for a while. It was pretty much the entirety of the snow part, which is arguably the most intense. Um, at least, like the weather is the most intense. The the big monster snake thing is is there. Like, and I really felt a connection going through that. Uh, but that was the only time I actually. Ha- had anybody we actually uh you know spoilers uh when your character either dies or passes out we both pass out on top of each other which was adorable and then i'm you know i assume that it it cuts into another like i never saw anyone again for all i know actually that the player i played with didn't get revived and actually just died right there um i know my character got revived and i made it to the top of the mountain but yeah you um, have the possibility of being matched up with people throughout the whole game even from the very beginning like right after you first sort of emerge into the main area in the in the desert and i ended up matching up with several people um and you you it was never completely clear to me if it was the same person or a different person. It seems like it it does some sort of under the hood, very subtle matchmaking to pair you up with somebody who's on the same chapter of the game that you are. Um, yeah. But it never shoves it you together. It doesn't like does not tell you when it switches your, your buddy out. Yeah. Because it wants you to, it wants you to continue feeling that, that connection. I did have a really cool part with my buddy where they helped me find a, like a, a secret wall of light that I would probably not have found. And I had a hard time making the jump. Um, they're actually, so like you would, you would use this little thing to spit out, uh, ribbons or 
scarves mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you would jump and absorb the scarves to jump yourself even further up into this like little top area um, where you could look at a light wall. Um, <laughs> and great, great technical wording. Like that's what you get when there's no names in, or dialogue what, in the game. I, the, light, uh, was, the light wall. It was a scarf things. cannon. Yeah, yeah. It was a scarf cannon to look at a light wall. Um, and I couldn't do it because what would happen is they would launch the, we would launch the scarves and then we'd both try to absorb them to get to the wall and it just wouldn't work. But the, whoever it was, was actually sat patiently and waited for me up at the top to jump up there and get it. And then waited for me to get back down. And then we went back into the snowstorm together at one point getting totally, cause we got smashed by the skeleton, yeah. the skeleton mm-hmm. snake, rock snake, onyx. Um, <laughs> kind of looks like Onyx. Uh, in the video uh, with the uh, Genova century, Chen, yeah. he calls it a stone serpent. Okay, so yeah, Onyx. And we got crushed by it, and we both went flying in two different directions. And it was really dramatic, though, because the visibility is really low. And that's just like spinning in circles trying to find my friend, and then like out of the out of the snow, I see the little glimpse little of him. Like, yeah, and I'm like... We're like trying to run to each other and just both both start chirping a ton. It was it was awesome, and that is such a unique thing for this game to do. Like whoever came up with that idea for this game deserves like an award. Yeah, I, mean, I like had a, a really medal. helpful friend who clearly was an expert in the game. I mean, he had twice as long of a scarf as I did, and towards the end, and they were really guiding me towards good stuff and you know being patient. And speaking um, to explain the scarf thing just briefly <laughs> yeah, because what? we didn't I, really mention what do you mean that had a longer your, scarf. Your uh, your scarf is sort of a representation of how many of the little glowing. Um, symbols you've managed to connect collect and it also kind of is where you store your energy so um you have to sort of pick this up all it's like alto's adventure uh mm-hmm. actually yeah now that you mention it very it, much is it really is uh but yeah your, your scarf is uh sort of a visual representation of like how much power you have in the game although your power is really just about yeah, how much freedom of movement you have it's kind of just symbolizing it's your wings really yeah, so I had this super-powered friend, and the whole way up the summit, we kind of heart-warmed each other, so we were kept warm. Um, uh, Justin, my boyfriend, when he played it, apparently he did the summit alone, and it was just, oh. he was just sadly free, like frozen to death the whole way and felt so sad and lonely. And when I was watching, he that was That must have like, taken oh twice as long, at least. It did. <laughs> he goes super slow, because the person, you know, I guess took off without him or, you know, was separated from his friend, and he just went the whole way up alone. I had a friend and we got all the way to kind of the ribbon to get out of the summit. And uh, he got cocky because he was a good player. And he fell off the ribbon bridge all the way to the bottom. And I remember looking for him. I was like, where is he? Is he in a ledge underneath? Oh, no, he's back in the beginning. And I would have felt like a terrible person had I stayed and just been like, oh, going to the ending. So I I flew back off and like found my friend. I was like, we're going to go back. I got a trophy for it. Oh, really? That's so great. (laughs) They're like, if you... If someone falls off and you go all the way back, was you that get a literally trophy. what 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 was the accomplishment called and what was the wording of it on the PlayStation? Do you know? If you guys will wait a second, I will look it up. I got some odd uh, trophies as well. I had a moment where um, I just sort of sat and looked around for a while, um, mainly because I was going to get something to eat. <laughs> but. Uh, if you just sit and chill for a while, you get a trophy called Reflection. If you and your buddy sit down together and just sort of zen out for a minute. Hmm. Uh, and another moment that I had that I, w- I think was really interesting 
was in the tower where I was, I was doing the climbing. My, my buddy, you know, you watch for those people that have that really long scarf. Cause I knew the buddy was, was changing a few times. So at that point, my buddy had just an m- epic scarf, uh, the longest scarf I've ever seen. Did you get one of the folks with the white robes? Um, this person, I don't think had a white robe. No, this person had the standard robe. My, my second time playing through, I ended up matched up with, I think super expert. They call them elders in the, in the, how do you become an elder? You just have to complete the game and do it a bunch of times or something like that. You get all of the trophies and then you can do an extra thing. You do, you get everything in the game and then you can do something. Mm. Uh, My trophy was called crossing and it was reach the summit with a companion and return to the beginning. Hmm, okay. So it was literally like you fell off the summit. <laughs> I didn't know and you then, could fall off the summit. That's a, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it it did suck. Yeah, like there, the one I was trying to, to say earlier was was a uh, a sort of an Easter egg that I that the play, player I was following kind of went back and backtracked down inside of this tower and. Down in there was the little kind of amoeba creature from Flow. Oh, so that was pretty cool. I got that one too, and the uh, the achievement was called something like ancestor or predecessor or something like that. Yeah, and, and they, they are really neat. Like there's there's neat achievements in here that mostly relate to finding interesting little things that you might not otherwise. But I do really wish that the game had some way. I'm sure this is just a PlayStation limitation. I wish it had some way to suppress the on-screen notifications mm-hmm. because literally the only piece of UI and certainly a disruptive piece of UI for the experience is the achievements popping up on screen. Um, you know, they, they make a big achievement yeah. noise and uh, I, like, it's like in a, what would the walking dead game? Like right after like that girl kills herself, you hey, got the spoilers. achievement. It, it was like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. What, it's Very, like, okay. Actually, that's super vague. Yeah, that one girl kills herself. Yeah. Uh, The achievement's like one shot, one kill. Oh, God, yeah. Like, pops up right in the middle of the screen. Like, come on, guys. You're you're counterfeiting your emotional moment with a silly trophy. I agree. Let's write a letter. I do enjoy that there seems to be a culture of experts in the game coming to shepherd newbies through um, because I know that I definitely was at the beginning I had someone who was closer to my skill range but later I did get kind of the more long scarf elder who would point out things like the weird creature from flow I mean it's they don't force you to I could go in the other direction if I was like I'm exploring on my own but it was kind of nice to have someone say this is worth looking at over here. Could you have someone with you at the very end? Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, we should probably talk about that because, like, the game has a really specific emotional arc, and um, it's clear that, like, this is, like, the the reason for the game. Like, y- y- you are progressing up the mountain, you go through various different areas, the desert, you know, you descend into some tunnels, you go up a little tower, you go through a temple, and finally you're climbing the mountain itself. Water temple. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It is 
Kind of. It's 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 a water temple. You, you're right. It's actually, a temple where that, you're controlling the levels of the water. Just to I that solve that it doesn't actually ever tell you you're in water, but you're suddenly kind of swimming, and there's like anemone carpets. It's so cool. That's yeah. a really that's I, absolutely like I didn't realize I was underwater. I just thought, why can I float differently in here? And then suddenly you get to the top and you're like, oh, I was underwater that whole time. Like, it's so, it was a really neat little aha moment at, the, at that point. But it's, it's all sort of building to your climb up the mountain. And, you know, in a very typical three-act story structure, this is that sort of low before the ultimate high that kind of brings out that cathartic ending. And you're struggling up that mountain, hopefully with a partner because if not you'll freeze and if Poor you and it really does a wonderful job of i think trying really hard to to make you make a connection with this other person who's also playing the game by for example um not having collision detection between your two characters so it's impossible for them to intentionally or accidentally bump you off of a platform they in instead of possibly bumping into people being a problem they make bumping into people be actually a way of adding to your light like you can recharge each other and you can warm each other when you're in the freezing mountain like so huddling together uh is actually like it's important to the mechanics and it also builds this sort of emotional connection you feel that you're relying on this person even if they're not necessarily pointing out all the cool you know achievements to you as you go and then when you finally reach, you you reach a part of the mountain that is so frozen, so desolate, that there's just no way up, and your two characters, if there are two of them, end up collapsing in the cold, and that's the that's the ultimate low, and uh, and actually something that I thought was really neat about this was like that's that's like the emotional low of the game. Uh, and it's also like the most restricted you are in terms of your movement, you know, your ability to fly or hop is completely frozen out of you at this point. You can barely even chirp, like you're you're frozen to death and you finally, your characters collapse on the mountain. Don't worry, big versions of you are here to save you. Yeah, yeah, the giant white <laughs> dudes. Like, I don't know what they are. I assume they're elders. I assume they're like, you know, the spirits. Yeah. And I, I see this as sort of a progression into the afterlife. So I kind of mm -hmm. see that as the moment of death. Um, I think it's oh, kind of debatable. Oh, you think they actually died? I thought it was a revival, but I do. And actually, I think I think that they that there was some clear hinting by Genova Chen in that GDC, or I'm sorry, Dice or whatever the 2013 video that Dice. Laura was mm -hmm. mentioning. Um, I, I think it's pretty clearly implied that this is at least sort of allegorical for a journey through life and into death. Um, but then that, that moment following the collapse is this explosion of activity. You're suddenly and able color. to fly. Color and and there's no limits on your movement. You're no Waterfalls. Longer, yeah, like it, it's it's an explosion of joy, of color, and of movement and freedom. It's the most freedom of movement you have in the entire game. And so that that burst from the lowest low to the highest high, it's a it's a it's an enormous catharsis because it's a huge change in terms of the movement ability in the game. It's the emotional difference. It's suddenly this, you know, this emotional connection that you've built with your partner is is paying off suddenly in this enormous success or or joy. Like that moment is what makes this game. I mean, you just went through the saddest part where you, you know, all the other carpets, your carpet friends 
who've been helping you the whole way through, you come across little frozen carpets and you can chirp and wake them up and then they kind of go a little bit, then they freeze to death again and try as you will, you cannot, nothing is going to survive that summit, which made me very sad. I know. That's so sad. They're so friendly. They're I was so just friendly. having flashbacks to Aladdin over and over and over and over. And then, then suddenly you get this burst of infinite flight and you can just charge up the, the pace goes, you know, you go from every step you know, step, step. I mean, I played this game during a freezing rainstorm in Chicago, mm, and I was like, this perfect. feels like outside. And then suddenly to go from that to the sunlit, um, you know, utopian paradise. Um, you know, it's like at the end of the Narnia book where they're literally charging up a waterfall into heaven. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that book is terrible, but running up the Whoa, waterfall hot take. is a really... Hot take. Well, the the last battle in Narnia is. I don't want to get into it. It's a terrible. <laughs> book. <laughs> but I actually that's actually the only book I've literally chucked across the room. Listeners, um, write to Laura. Don't write to the short game. Welcome yeah. back to the short game. Chronicles of Narnia sucks. No, uh, one book Laura. in the Chronicles of Narnia sucks. Um, it's someone with a talking monkey. Um, but yeah, you can charge up the waterfall, and it's just such a wonderful um, euphoric moment. Um, you suddenly feel like everything was worth it. Yeah, and you have complete control. Like something that uh, something that they said in that same video, which we keep going back to, is that initially that sequence in the game was sort of on rails. You were flying, but it was this on rails. You weren't really in control. Just essentially a cutscene where you could waggle the joystick to move around, and and people hated it. And then when they revised it to give you freedom like you can stop at that point you can go land on anything you can fly in any direction that enormous freedom uh and that freedom stays with you even to the very end where you walk into the chasm in the mountain like you sort of walk into i guess your you know your ultimate reward and even even right to the last moment you're controlling your character you are walking into that that you're making that choice so i think that yeah it's just this enormous explosion of freedom and choice and and just movement it's just so great i really have to share that moment with you guys cuz it went differently for me in this playthrough than it ever has before um so i've played this game a few times i don't always make it to the end with a, a partner, but uh, this time I did. And just as you're approaching the big um, glowing uh, white, I guess, gateway um, at the top of the mountain, you have this sort of last moment where you and your buddy are, you know, land together after this this big free flowing flight. And uh, you land in the snow and you just start walking towards the towards the light there. And my buddy at that point stopped and I stopped too because he had stopped and I turned around and he walked in the snow and like drew a heart. What? In the snow. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, I snapped a screenshot. I'll share it with you guys. I heard it, but that was mentioned in the game developer talk. I, I can't believe it happened to you. That's so special. It did. I, I've got the screenshot. I'll shoot it to you guys. What did they say in the game developer talk about that? People that people were doing it or, or what? They said that one or two people have started writing messages to each other, like little symbols in the snow after the game to oh. show like to thank people. I, I'm You got a heart. I mean, they said some people did different symbols. So 
Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. special. So this was, yeah, it was, it was a really unique moment. And this was, this was a guy that, you know, at, at that point we didn't have any scarf left because it had all frozen off. But this was one of those guys that had clearly played the game a few times and, and knew his way around. And it was like, uh, really, I was kind of touched. I was really surprised. I did, was not expecting that at all. Like the communication in the game is limited so much that like having any kind of way to reach out to somebody and then just to have someone reach out to you in that way uh, was such a delight. It was was really magical. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Are you guys, you guys ever been fans of the band Sigur Rós? Yes. <laughs> Has yes. anyone ever heard of them? I know they're yeah. not very. Yeah. <laughs> I, they're not very popular. No one's ever little, heard of them. Little indie, little indie band. You know, you know that sort that would seem like a non sequitur, except I, I kind of already know where you're going because, like, having listened to a fair amount of Sigur Rós, like you mentioned them, and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I see how that relates. <laughs> That's <laughs> how, that, how that relates. The, the, the whole ending felt. And they're one of my favorite bands, uh, and I know that's not like a unique thing, but uh, I, the whole ending felt like I was playing a Cigarose song. Uh, also, they have a beautiful documentary called Haima, if you've ever seen it. Um, I have not. It's all about going around Iceland. Uh, it's also beautiful, beautiful landscapes, waterfalls, all that. And it just felt like I was playing their music, and it was it was pretty awesome. I, I I totally get that because in a lot of ways, this game feels to me, particularly with its two hour length and its you know focus on this sort of emotional journey that you're taking. It feels to me like a really great record, you know, or a really great album. Mm-hmm. Like sitting down and listening to a really great album from start to finish. Um, and it's not really a feeling I've gotten from other video games, even short games with a focus on sort of story or on, you know, emotion or mood. Um, I've played a lot of games like that. I really seek them out and none of them have felt quite like this in that way. And I think that it's hard to put your finger on, but it's, it's like an album. That's a really, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this game won awards from a lot of other media, you know, it's been in museums. It's been, I think it has a Grammy or something. Yeah. Um, but to me, this can only be a game. I mean, it can't be a movie. Watching this would not have given me the same feelings at all. Like, you need that other stranger there to connect with. You need to be able to explore. I mean, the game is nothing without that. It's just Star Wars otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's Joseph Campbell's Heroes Journey and it's birth, life, death. Like it is a story you've heard a billion times unless you get to experience it for yourself. Yeah. That, the, the thing that really – like there's so many things that follow the structure of like the, uh, the hero's journey. Like this does do that. But the connection with the other person is what makes this different. Like that's – the connection that you – that this enables you to find with another random human somewhere on the planet holding a DualShock 4. <laughs> like, that's not something that... I've never felt a connection with a stranger through a game in the same way that I felt one with this. Like, I, I felt connections with strangers in a way like, huh, that guy just pulled off a weird trick. Or, huh, that guy just shot me in the face. Like, that's about it. Like, that's that's the connection you get with strangers over the internet. I. I actually do. I, I have to cut in. I have had one other similar experience, and I mm. just have to talk about this because it is in the game that you would never expect to have a beautiful 
uh, anonymous experience with someone in a video game, and that was Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, <laughs> so this is going to sound crazy, but I was playing Grand Theft Auto V, and I was playing online. Uh, this is kind of right after the game came out, so it was there were actually people like playing online and having fun. And I got in a like you'd kind of get in like shootouts with people, and when you die, you spawn pretty close, so it was pretty easy to just like have a never-ending kind of battle with someone. And um, so I was kind of in this fight with someone, and then the cops got involved, and I was like pinned down from the cops, and the guy who I'd been fighting with pulled up in a convertible, started honking the horn, so I ran out, got in the car with him, we drove away, and then he took me, I seriously spent the next hour of this game playing with this guy who took me across the entire Grand Theft Auto World 5, showing me all of the random hidden stuff that you could find. Like, we found this, like, little cabin that had a sea-doo or jet ski or whatever. Got on the jet ski. I got on the back. Went down the whole river on the jet ski with this player (laughs) before going out in the ocean, cutting around into a crazy little cove, brought us to where there was a helicopter, got in the helicopter with him, and then we parachuted. It was, like... Seriously, I went to like 15 different locations in this game. You road tripped no... with a stranger. <laughs> in, in Grand Theft Auto so V, awesome. we went through so many different places that I had no idea existed. Cool little hidden places where there was like helicopters and airplanes and jet skis and like stuff that would be hard to find. And I spent like an hour at least doing this. Never like in that game, you actually could. I could like look up his player name and 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 we could like done a party chat or whatever. But Neither of us initiated that, and I just, like, followed this guy around for, like, an hour, and every time one of us would die, he'd, he'd, like, come and find you or, like, land a helicopter right next to you and pick me up, and it was it was awesome. So it's not as, like, beautiful as Journey was, and, like, I really <laughs> – I felt, like, a strong connection uh, with the person that – you know, I only had someone with me for, like, 10 minutes in Journey, um, and it was, uh, like, it was enough to definitely leave, leave an impression, but this one time with this guy on GTA five, I will never forget it. Cause we never said anything to each other. And I mean, he, I was, you know, another Aladdin reference. He showed me the world. As we, <laughs> <laughs> he was my magic carpet. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's actually kind of great. And I, I wish that more games had an option, had a, were set up to kind of generate those kind of genuine, feelings or genuine experiences mm-hmm. with other people the the problem is other people like the the problem is that most people are um and i don't i don't think that people are bad people are good people but most people uh will do whatever provides the most feedback whatever provides the most sort of um instant momentary enjoyment in a game and that's how games are built games are built for you to interact with people mostly through shooting or fighting or something else. They're not built for these sorts of human connections. And that's what journey does. It, 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 it's a machine built to cause this sort of human connection. And I feel for that, like carving everything out of the multiplayer so that, um, all it is, is you can only have positive interactions with people, basically positive or no interactions. Because when I was designing for kids, um, you know, we didn't want to do chat because dirty words, like, it's just asking people to test a filter. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to do can chat because that's so lame. Um, and we didn't, you know, basically that's why you see a lot of gifts. Like a lot of, you can just give people gifts. Mm-hmm. You can give people hugs. You can help people only, you know, only altruistic actions, which is a real nerfed way of uh, existing. This game lets you, you know, you 
don't have to help the other person, but the game's more fulfilling if you do. And it's subtly, I mean, there was um, in a talk that uh, Meg Genesec did about 80 Days, she said that you have to write the game so that the player does things that are, that make the story better. Mm. And I think Journey definitely took everything out that would keep you from having a good time. You can't be a jerk in this game. It'd be really funny if once you got up to where that guy did the like did the heart in the snow, it just like like F you or something really really <laughs> something really like adult or gross, like right at the top. And it's like, oh. All right. <laughs> Thank you for taking this journey with me and here's a giant penis. <laughs> Chimes like crazy yeah, exactly. while drawing a big wiener. That might that might bring down the beautiful that would have been even better than the heart let me let's oh sure it'd be a different experience (laughs) but it might it might distract a bit from (laughs) from the the hero's journey So I'm really glad we finally got around to playing this game. It's um, it's been on my list since the beginning, as as we said at the top. And um, you know, it was it was just as great today as it was in 2012 when it came out. I, I'm really surprised to say that because some things don't age well. This has aged incredibly well. Um, and so yeah, uh, uh, next episode uh, we've got a kind of an interesting one planned. Um, Duck games, bird games, <laughs> bird games. Yeah, so we're we're um we're gonna do a kind of a combo episode because we got a few games that we wanted to talk about that maybe don't need or really uh work out as a full episode, um, but we realized we had a few games on our list that all related to birds. Kind of. I mean, it's the winter. It sucks outside for some of us. Reagan on the West Coast is <laughs> swimming in sunlight. But, you know, it's a time to do silly games, and we happen to have three silly games about birds. So, yep. So, uh, why not? So, next week we're going to One gonna of be them is about, about bread. <laughs> oh, are we are we doing we, that too? Um, I, I think that the three that I know we're going to be talking about, we this may change if we if we come up with some silly games or maybe heck find another bird game to talk about. Um, but uh, we're we're going to be talking at least about Hatful Boyfriend, uh, which is out on Steam and also on PlayStation platforms. Uh, that's the bird themed dating simulator. If you missed it, and let's be honest, you probably did. Because it's a bird-themed <laughs> dating simulator. Would you like to date a pigeon? Yes. Heck yeah, sure. Why not? Heck yeah. I, I'll date a pigeon. Uh, also, another uh, bird uh, game, uh, Avian Attorney. Laura's going to be Aviary Attorney. Aviary Attorney, okay. You can date birds. You can defend them in court. Yep. What else can you do with birds? Uh, I guess kind of fight them. We're also going to be talking about duck game. You can shoot them with all kinds of ridiculous weapons. So the anti-journey. Should we get the guys from Duckfeed on this episode? <laughs> yeah, fill it out. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a, a thoroughly, uh, thoroughly bird-themed episode. Um, if you have any other bird-themed games that you think that we're missing and deserve a great mention, let us know. You can write to us at www.theshortgame.net. We got a feedback form there, or you can write info at theshortgame.net. Um, you can also find our show on Twitter. We are at underscore short game 
And uh, we also love to get feedback in all forms, but probably the most valuable type in terms of helping people find out about the show uh, is leaving us a review on iTunes. So if you go to www. No, it's not a website. Never mind. So if you uh, so if you load up that clunky old program and search for the short game, uh, we would love it if you'd leave us a review. I've been your host, one of the four excellent hosts of this podcast. Reagan Kelly. I'm on Twitter at Reagan K, R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? At Nate STL. And of course, Nate actually has a second podcast <laughs> called Talking About Birds. So this will be right it's up the crossover alley. Let's yeah. see if I can get Ben. We'll get Ben on this one. Yeah, you should. Uh, he'll come in and talk just about the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll all be very confused. Yep. And uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>